to The People's Scientist, the podcast dedicated to helping us optimize our health with the latest scientific findings on nutrition, health, and medicine. I, your host, Dr. Stephanie Caligiuri, will be here with you every single week, bringing us information to ignite our thinking to help us be one step closer to the healthiest we can be. Welcome back, everyone, to the People Scientist Podcast. I hope you all had a great July 4th last weekend, and thank you for letting me take this past weekend off from the podcast. I had posted on social media last week how the summer is the busiest time of the year for my projects, and especially because I'm mentoring many interns during this time. And typically, I work through the weekends in the summer. And today, in fact, I'm actually on day 23 of a particular experiment looking at the neurobiology of nicotine addiction. And I have about 14 more days to go on this experiment, so we shall see the results in the end. Wish me luck. This week we are doing part two of the highly requested skincare episode. Today we will discuss vitamin C, retinols, collagen hydrolysate, hyaluronic acid, and antioxidants for skin health. So let's jump into some core takeaways. Our skin is composed of collagen proteins that maintain the structure and the ability of our skin to act as a barrier to the environment. Many things can cause our skin to lose collagen and this will lead to thinner skin that is prone to injury and an aged appearance. Now, if we lose collagen in our skin, it can also lead to skin sagging. Applying vitamin C lotions, consuming a diet rich in vitamin C, and consuming a collagen hydrolysate supplement appears to improve skin thickness and collagen density. Antioxidants such as vitamin C, pycnogenol, green tea polyphenols, and vitamin A also appear to enhance skin density, elasticity, reduces fine lines, and wrinkles. So yes, these skincare trends that we hear and see about do indeed have scientific evidence to support their claims about enhancing our skin's health. So let's jump into those details now. Let's start off by talking about the structure of our skin. The most prominent protein in our skin is collagen. Collagen production declines for many reasons, such as age, low vitamin C intake, because vitamin C is necessary in the production of collagen in our body. Sun damaged skin can also reduce collagen and uncontrolled diabetes may also increase collagen loss because uncontrolled diabetes can increase the enzyme collagenase, which causes collagen breakdown. Now also related to diabetes, when too much sugar is present in the body, sugar can bind to collagen to produce advanced glycation end products, which is an inflammatory molecule. Advanced glycation end products are higher in individuals with uncontrolled diabetes. So it is important to maintain healthy blood glucose levels if diagnosed with prediabetes or diabetes, as this can lead to reduced collagen levels in the skin as well as reduced collagen in the joints. So you may be wondering, so what does it mean if we have reduced collagen in our skin? If we have reduced collagen, then our skin can become thinner, wrinkled and saggy. This can lead to skin being prone to cuts, abrasions, 
bruises, lesions, and the appearance of aged skin. So how can we combat this? Well, first off, vitamin C, as I said before, is necessary for the production of collagen in our body. I'm sure that everyone has heard of the condition called scurvy. You know, where a long time ago, pirates at sea would develop scurvy because they didn't have a source of vitamin C on their boat or ship. Scurvy is hallmarked by lesions of the skin, gums, losing teeth, and hair. So ensure that you are getting adequate amounts of vitamin C every day from fruits and vegetables. I mean, nowadays, scurvy is so uncommon to find because vitamin C is now widespread in many diets throughout the world. But it doesn't mean to say that there can't be, you know, lower level vitamin C deficiency that doesn't necessarily portray as scurvy, but perhaps just a slightly reduced collagen production. That is probably more prevalent in today's world. But vitamin C deficiency and its effect on our skin has been known for a very long time, over a century. It reports back from 1937 in the Annals of Surgery noted that individuals deficient in vitamin C have poor wound healing, and once vitamin C is supplemented in the diet, their wound healing and collagen matrix formation in the skin improves substantially. Now, the recommended daily allowance for vitamin C is 60 milligrams per day for non-smokers. And those that smoke cigarettes or, or are at risk for oxidative stress because of, for example, diabetes, air pollution, etc., it is suggested to consume a little bit more vitamin C than 60 milligrams per day. But we should not exceed 2,000 milligrams per day, as this is considered the tolerable upper intake level of vitamin C, because otherwise, if we consume more than 2,000 milligrams per day, it could lead to stomach upset and diarrhea. But besides getting vitamin C from the diet to ensure our overall health and our skin health, vitamin C can also be applied topically to the skin in the form of serums or creams. Now, many clinical trials have investigated the benefits of adding vitamin C creams to the skin, for example, for sun-damaged skin and other skin conditions such as psoriasis and eczema. For example, in 2003, Humbert and colleagues conducted a randomized controlled study in which young women with sun-damaged skin applied a 5% vitamin C cream to one side of their neck and one arm, and the same cream that did not have vitamin C on the other side and they did this every day for six months. The scientists noted a significant improvement on the vitamin C treated side compared with the control side, a highly significant increase in the density of their skin, and a decrease in the deep furrows or lines were observed. Their ultra-structural evidence of the elastic tissue repair was also noted on the vitamin C side. So adding vitamin C lotion to the sun-damaged side did seem to have a really beneficial effect on sun-damaged skin. Similarly, Fitzpatrick in 2008 had 10 women apply a 17% vitamin C cream to one side of their face and a control cream that did not have vitamin C to the other side of their face for 12 weeks. The vitamin C treated side reduced the sun-damaged spots or what they call photoaging. It also improved the hydration of the skin and increased their collagen production. That is why vitamin C creams are thought to have or said to have a brightening effect because they have been shown to reduce those sun-aged spots. As a result, Oshima in 2009 reported that applying a 10% vitamin C lotion under the eye when individuals may have dark circles under the eye could reduce the darkness and appearance of dark circles by increasing the skin thickness and perhaps also by improving the blood flow under the eye.
So based on these clinical trials, it is very clear to see that vitamin C in our diet is very important for collagen production and our skin health. But as well, if we want to apply vitamin C serums or lotions to the skin, it also appears to have a very beneficial effect on increasing skin thickness, reducing lines, and reducing sun damage. But other than vitamin C, there are other supplements that have looked at enhancing the collagen of our skin. For example, another supplement of interest is called collagen hydrolysate, which is a collagen protein taken, for example, from the hide or bones of animals that has been broken down into tiny peptides called hydrolysate. So that the peptides escape, they're so small, these peptides, that they escape the digestive enzymes of our body and therefore can enter into our circulation intact. And because they've entered our circulation intact, they are therefore deposited where our body needs collagen. For example, the collagen hydrolysate in animal studies have shown that it deposits in bones, joints, and skin, for example. Now these collagen hydrolysate supplements are becoming very popular. One important thing to note, if you have listened to episode two of this podcast about bone broth, is that my personal suggestion is if you are interested in buying a collagen hydrolysate supplement, is to please purchase one that is not made from bones but purchase one made from the animal hide or skin, as the bones are known to sequester environmental contaminants, such as heavy metals, pesticides, and plastic breakdown products. But in my experience, the grand majority of the collagen hydrolysis supplements do indeed come from the skin or the animal hide. So what does the clinical evidence say about the effects of collagen hydrolysis on skin health? Well, Asserin in 2008 conducted two randomized blinded controlled studies and noted that an oral collagen peptide supplement significantly increased skin hydration after eight weeks of intake. The collagen density in the dermis or the skin significantly increased and the fragmentation of the dermal collagen network significantly decreased already only after four weeks of supplementation and both of these beneficial effects persisted after 12 weeks. And we, in 2016, noted that collagen hydrolysate with a higher content of the bioactive collagen peptides prolyl and hydroxyproline, as well as hydroxyprolyl and glycine, showed significant and more improvement than the collagen hydrolysate with a lower content of those bioactive collagen peptides I just mentioned. They noticed enhanced facial skin moisture, increased elasticity of the skin, and reduced wrinkles and roughness. DeLuca in 2016 enrolled 41 people with the average age of 50 years and asked them to consume capsules every day for two months with hydrolyzed collagen from the skin of fish, along with some coenzyme Q10, selenium, luteolin, and grape skin extract. The scientists noted that the supplements increased the patient's skin thickness by 6%, it increased their skin elasticity by 20%, increase the sebum by 90%, which is the oil that your skin produces to keep it naturally hydrated. And this supplement also appeared to decrease their skin biological age by two years. Now it is important to note that a couple measures of their natural antioxidant system seem to decline with the supplementation. The authors noted it was still within normal range, however, so some may argue, does a collagen hydrolysis therefore use up our antioxidant system in our body? It's hard to say. A couple clinical trials show it may, and some show that it doesn't. 
But if you have an inflammatory condition, perhaps do take caution and speak to your physician or dietitian, or do pay attention to how your body feels when you take the collagen hydrolysis to see if it is having an impact on your inflammatory condition. In this particular clinical trial with the collagen hydrolysis, as with other studies, the scientists decided to add other supplements to the intervention, right? In this study, they also added grape skin extract, coenzyme Q10, which is a natural antioxidant in the body. And so it's difficult to say if these beneficial effects were because of the collagen hydrolysis or was it because of a synergistic effect of all of the compounds together, or did one of these other supplements have a beneficial effect? But it is true that other clinical trials that have looked at just the collagen hydrolysis itself does appear to have a beneficial effect on skin health. So yes, the trend of collagen hydrolysis supplements to benefit skin health do appear to be backed up by scientific evidence. In cell culture studies, scientists such as O'Hara in 2010 noted that collagen hydrolysis can increase production of hyaluronic acid. Now, if you remember from last week's episode, our body naturally produces hyaluronic acid, which is a natural moisturizing factor for our skin. Which brings me to a question that one of my awesome listeners asked, is there a difference between applying hyaluronic acid to the skin topically versus consuming it in capsule form? Well, Sato in 2002 noted that a hyaluronic acid supplement of 120 milligrams per day for four weeks improved the moisture content of the skin, which declined when the patient stopped taking the oral supplement. Under the microscope of skin biopsies of these patients, the scientists noted an improvement of skin smoothness as well with the hyaluronic acid supplement. So it is thought that hyaluronic acid would not only benefit the skin, but it may also benefit other parts of the body in which hyaluronic acid is present, such as the joints. In a rat study, they actually radio-labeled hyaluronic acid, meaning that they were able to follow where hyaluronic acid went in the body so they could trace where exactly it was stored. And hyaluronic acid, when ingested, appeared to be deposited throughout the entirety of the body in many organs and glands. The scientists measured the amount of hyaluronic acid deposited per millimeter squared of the organ or tissue. The skin ranked 19th in the areas where hyaluronic acid was deposited the most out of 29 organs that they measured. It could have been ranked lower because the skin has a large surface area. And remember, this was normalized to millimeters squared. After 24 hours, besides the gut, the hardirian gland appeared to have the most hyaluronic acid deposited per millimeter squared. And the hardirian gland is the gland of the eye that produces a protective mucosal layer, layer for the eyeball. So to answer the question of is topical hyaluronic acid better or worse than taking an oral supplement? Well, unfortunately, no clinical trials have directly compared the two. But the biggest difference is that topical hyaluronic acid will have a beneficial effect only on the outermost layer of the skin wherever it is applied. But if taken orally, hyaluronic acid can have an effect, a potentially beneficial effect, on the entire body because it's stored throughout the body where it may be needed, such as the gland in the eye and the joints and the skin. In addition, topical hyaluronic acid would have an immediate hydrating effect on the skin, which is one benefit to applying it topically, whereas taking an oral supplement may take a few weeks or perhaps even months before benefits are really noticed and observed. So 
I think there's pros and cons to both, and it really depends what you are taking the supplement for. Perhaps you can take both, or if you have particular areas of the skin of eczema or psoriasis, it could benefit from topical uh, hyaluronic acid, as I mentioned in last week's episode, but then also taking an oral supplement may benefit the overall skin of the entire body as well. So now that we have talked about collagen, vitamin C, let's jump into some other antioxidants and their effects on the skin. Now, many antioxidants are out there on the market claiming to have skin-enhancing effects. Antioxidants can help protect the skin from oxidative damage, such as UV sunlight radiation, air pollution, and cigarette smoke, for example. Now, pycnogenol has become a very popular antioxidant, which is a French maritime pine bark extract, and it has gained a lot of popularity and social media presence, this antioxidant. Well, Grether Beck wrote a great review on pycnogenol's effects on skin health in 2016 and concluded that the existing data provide compelling evidence that pycnogenol intake does not only provide photoprotection, which is protection from sun damage, but may be used to also reduce hyperpigmentation of human skin and improve skin barrier function and extracellular matrix homeostasis. Now, this review noted that some beneficial effects with oral supplements on average of 75 milligrams per day. But I do know that pycnogenol can also be applied topically to the skin and perhaps can have some benefit against oxidative stress as well. However, some other antioxidants have conflicting evidence, such as green tea polyphenols, for example. In 2009, green tea polyphenols in capsule form did not exhibit any significant benefit to the skin after two years in a double-blinded controlled clinical trial. Whereas in 2011, Heinrich published a randomized double-blinded controlled study, and they illustrated that in 60 women that consumed one liter of green tea every day, that on average provided around 1.4 grams of polyphenols for 12 weeks, appeared to protect the skin from sun UV damage. They also noted improvements in skin elasticity, hydration, and density, as well as improved blood flow. Now, these benefits were seen in comparison to a group that drank uh, one liter of a control liquid that appeared to be similar in green tea appearance and taste so that the patients wouldn't notice the difference. That's why it was a double-blinded study. So it appears that consuming one liter green tea every day may have some benefits on skin health as well. So according to these clinical trials, it appears that if you take green tea polyphenols in capsule form, it doesn't seem to have any benefit to the skin, but if you drink green tea, one liter of green tea every day, that it does appear to have a beneficial effect on our skin. Beta carotene is another antioxidant that has a lot of attention for skin health. But as Bieselke pointed pointed out, whether or not beta carotene has a beneficial effect on reducing UV sun damage and stress to the skin is still debated. There are some people that claim eating a high antioxidant diet will protect their skin from UV damage. And while some clinical trials, such as the one I just shared, may indicate some partial protection, as far back as 1999, antioxidants such as beta-carotene supplementation showed no protection from sunburn. So you do still need to protect your skin from sun damage, either with sunblock or clothing and hats. There's not enough antioxidants that someone can eat that would totally protect their skin from the sun's rays. So yes, eating an antioxidant diet may 
like with rich in fruits and vegetables may be able to help protect your skin from sun damage, but you also still need to protect it with physical barriers such as sunblock or clothing and hats. Now on the topic of vitamin A, which is also considered an antioxidant, retinols, which are a form of vitamin A, have been around the skincare industry for a very long time. The reason being retinols are thought to increase our skin's turnover rate, so fresh skin cells are brought to the surface more readily. So as a result, if someone has eczema or psoriasis or aged skin, that skin will be sloughed off over time and fresh new skin will uh, arise to the top. And this will happen more quickly with the application of retinols. Some well-designed clinical trials, such as by CAFI in 2007, conducted a randomized double-blinded controlled study in 36 elderly patients. Now, three times a week, a 0.4% retinol cream was applied to one arm and a control cream to the other. After 24 weeks, the arm treated with the retinol cream reduced, had reduced fine wrinkles and increased collagen expression. In 2009, Tucker Samaras reported that a 0.1% retinol cream reduced sun damaged spots, hyperpigmentation, and also reduced fine lines on the face. For skin conditions such as psoriasis, synthetic vitamin A pills have been prescribed for decades in order to reduce skin inflammation and increase healthy skin turnover rate. Now, applying retinols to the skin topically can cause some irritation, so if you want to try a retinol cream or serum for the first time, please do choose a low percentage first to see how your skin can tolerate it. So low percentage would be 0.1 or 0.2%. Lastly, one of my listeners requested I cover the trend of charcoal for the skin. Now, many face masks and scrubs have charcoal as their main ingredient and claim to have a detoxifying effect. Interestingly, there are no clinical trials that I could find that investigated the effects of applying charcoal to the skin. There are some studies, and we have known for a long time, that charcoal or activated charcoal has a great absorptive capacity meaning that it increases absorption of contaminants. So a long time ago, we used it if someone ingested a poison, you know, in an emergency situation, so that it could absorb the poison and prevent its negative effects. You know, in addition, many water filters as well to filter tap water also use activated charcoal, which can absorb some of the contaminants, such as chlorine in tap water. So in theory, applying charcoal to the face as a mask or face wash may be able to help absorb some contaminants from the skin, but no direct peer-reviewed scientific evidence directly studied this. Okay, so that is a wrap, my people scientist army. In brief summary of part two of our skincare episode, our skin is composed of collagen, and if we have reduced collagen, our skin may become thinner and more prone to injury and an aged appearance. We can enhance our collagen levels in the skin, by eating a vitamin C-rich diet, such as high in fruits and vegetables, applying vitamin C-containing lotions to the skin, and consuming a collagen hydrolysate supplement. Antioxidants such as vitamin C, vitamin A, pycnogenol, or polyphenols such as from green tea may also have benefit in reducing UV sun damage and enhancing skin elasticity and hydration. Hyaluronic acid, whether taken as an oral supplement or applied topically to the skin, can have benefit to skin hydration. I hope that this episode was interesting and insightful for all of you. Next week, I am very excited to be bringing on a guest scientist, one of my very good friends, Dr. Jacqueline Marie Furland. 
She is currently doing a fellowship in behavioral neuroscience looking at the impact of cannabis or marijuana on the brain. So make sure to tune in next week for her insights into everyone's burning questions about cannabis. I hope you all have a super healthy week and I will meet you back here at the same time and the same place next Sunday. Bye for now. I am a scientist simply sharing scientific evidence. Some of the clinical interventions I discuss are not appropriate for everyone. Before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle, please do consult the advice of your physician or dietitian. My opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect those of Mount Sinai Hospital and its affiliates.